Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked on Flames. I'm your host, Jess Belmosto. It has been quite a while since we've done any sort of news and notes episode, so let's talk about Nate McKinnon, Jake Muzzin's unfortunate injury, and some top storylines to keep watching as we roll on into the trade deadline. Things are a little bit different here today. As you notice, I didn't roll that intro. Um, That's because I um, accidentally deleted the file and I can't get it back. And um, I'm waiting for our wonderful producer, Doug, to email me back. But I wanted to get this podcast out to you. So if you do a little car dance, um, I I hope you can just car dance to my voice today. Uh, Again, I'm your host, Jess Belmosto of your Metropolitan Riveters Public Relations team. How are you today? I hope you're having a much better day than me. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But thanks so much for making Locked on Flames your first listen of the day. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. That's Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Audible, Odyssey, you name it, we're there. And of course, we're free 99 on YouTube and every other platform as well. So make sure you're tuning in, you're subscribed, and of course, leaving little reviews and ratings along the way because that means so much to me. So before we jump into talking about Jake Muzzin, I recorded this episode, went to, you know, edit it, and it sounded like it was recorded as I was, like, being abducted by aliens. Like, the it, the mic just, like, did not pick anything up, and what it did pick up was horrendous. So if my voice sounds a little tired, I apologize. I This is now my third podcast I've recorded today, so we're going to get through this as a team, and I'm so sorry for the delay in production, and it's just the run of, this is, it's show business, baby. The show must go on, but Jake Muzzin, unfortunately, had a very scary injury against the uh, Montreal Canadiens on Tuesday, no, Monday. Monday night, and it oh, it, it left me speechless because when I first saw it, the hit, I was like, oh, that's that that looks like it hurts. But then I watched it a second time, and the way that his head bounced off the ice as if it was like a bouncy ball was terrifying, and it made me nauseous because he he has a history of concussions. Number one. And number two, he's just coming back from one. And you just, you hate to see any player go down like that. You hate to see any sort of um, head injury in general. And knowing that Jake Muzzin is like a taller and like older guy in terms of hockey, you just, you hope that it's never the last time. And that's how they leave the game really any at any age because you truly never know but uh he spent the night in a hospital um and just with any injury like that you are you're craving an update as soon as they're taken off the ice and he was alert he was moving his limbs and whatnot but you know you just worry you you do and especially when you think back to that John Tavares incident in the playoffs in the first round it was I think it was Corey Perry's knee that he hit like just a freak accident and it happens it it is the unfortunate part of the game it is but he did spend the night overnight um in hospital under observation and is now home in Toronto resting I just 
hope for him that he's healthy, he's okay, he stays off the gosh darn screens, um, rests. I know that they say, oh, don't rest when you have a concussion. Rest when you have a concussion, okay? You you don't need to be straining your eyes. Um, I've had two concussions in my life, and I am an absolute klutz. So uh, I've gotten both of them literally by doing everyday tasks. Uh, the first one I got was on Mother's Day, and I was cleaning the back of my mom's car out for her because I'm an excellent daughter like that. That was my present to her. <laughs> I um, bumped the my head on the back of the driver's seat and was very dizzy, and I had never felt anything like that, and it was mortifying when I like was had to sit down in the kitchen and cry because of how dizzy I was. And the second one I got uh, while I was working and um, <laughs> was pushing my cart um, and I was looking down and I hit a display, like corner of the display with a wheel, bumped my head and it went boing and just not great, not great. So, you know, obviously my heart goes out to anybody who is dealing with concussions, has dealt with concussions, any sort of brain injuries. My uh, brother dealt with one when he was younger and it was the most horrifying um, accident I'd ever seen as an eight-year-old child. Um, and it, it's still burned in my brain to this day. And I think that, you know, we all have those moments where we remember hockey injuries. Like, I know where I was um, for Matt Cook's hit on Mark Savard. I remember where I was for the John Tavares hit um, or the collision. It wasn't necessarily a hit, but, you know, you just – these things rem- just stick out in your brain. And – to, for him to potentially um, be out for the remainder of the season with a concussion like this just stinks. Um, just from like a humanity aspect, like take hockey out of the equation for someone to have their brain rattled and bruised that many times like that, that's horrible. And to have to, I don't want to say let your team down because that sounds as if it's his fault. But, you know, to lose a key player like Jake Muzzin um, when you're making a run for the cup is very unfortunate. But thankfully, there is a little thing called LTIR that he can go on and absolutely, um, you know, rest up and take as much time as he needs. And, you know, if he's ready for the playoffs when the time comes, he's ready. And if not, if not, you know, just because you go on LTIR doesn't mean you're magic and ready to go on day one of playoffs. But, you know, obviously much love to him, much love to his family and really anyone that um, was there. I know that can be like traumatizing, of course. So um, hugs all around. So uh, coming up next, we are going to discuss um, – <laughs> Nathan McKinnon as the new NHL's golden boy because (laughs) this man is getting under my skin as well as everyone else's. And you know what? Maybe it's the hanger. And you know what fixes hanger? Built Bars. Built Bars are a delicious tasting protein bar that uh, don't taste like protein bars and are covered in 100% chocolate that um, are delicious and everyone is a fan of. Uh, I have gotten them delivered to my house and my boyfriend loves them. I've given some to my mom. I've given some to my brother. I almost said I gave one to my dog. I would never give chocolate to a dog. Oh my God. 
<laughs> like it's a just a delicious tasting protein bar. It does not taste like a protein bar. And I think that's why it is so highly regarded and people love it because you don't have to uh, eat what tastes like sand. <laughs> you know, it's not grainy like a typical protein bar. They have uh, delicious puff bars now as well that are just marshmallowy goodness that you just feel like you're eating something that's so bad for you, but really it's good for you with that high in fiber, high in protein, low in carbs, low in sugar. It's delicious. And you can get yours today at built.com with promo code LOCKED15. Thank you all so much for tuning into Locked on Flames. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at JustBelmosto. It's right on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. So come on over and uh, come to the dark side. (laughs) Nathan McKinnon is back in hot water with everyone except player safety or the league in general. He made contact with an official after a face-off against Boston on Monday. Um... And his reasoning for this was, oh, I was trying to slash the other player. That's still a penalty. That is still very much a penalty, Nathan. Like, are, are you listening? You, you don't get to just, like, get away with these things. <laughs> and the public relations department ended up releasing a statement saying, we have a zero tolerance policy for... Um, on ice officials being in the line of fire or tolerating abuse and whatnot. And then in the same breath, they said Nathan McKinnon did nothing wrong. He slashed an official, my guy. So, um, you know, it's very frustrating. Um, and then for people to say things like, well, they just, they're just mad because it's Nathan McKinnon and, He's such a good player. Players, they don't want their team to play against them. No, I literally don't care. I just want people to be held accountable for their actions. (laughs) It's not that deep, I promise. Um, Especially, like, when you look at baseball. And I know they're in a lockout right now. But MLB has a very clear and distinct rule that if you argue with an umpire and you put your hands on them in any way, shape, or form, even if it's just flicking the brim of their hat, you're tossed from the game. Now, I'm not calling for Nathan McKinnon to be tossed from the game or to serve a suspension or anything like that, but I'm asking for him to sit in the penalty box and to be held accountable like every other player was. And I talked to Sarah from uh, Locked On Kings about this because we were talking about it on Western Conference Wednesday over on Locked On NHL. Yes, we pre-record those shows. <laughs> and she was saying, had this been a player like Brendan Lemieux, we would be looking at this so differently. Had it been a player like the Flames' Matthew Kachuk, people would literally be, like, up in flames. And what a horrible pun. Ugh. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it would be the most egregious thing that a player could, the most disrespectful thing a player could ever do is slash the referee. Um, I- I'm, I'm going to be real with you. No, that's not the most disrespectful thing out there in the game. Um, but it, it is, it is pretty bad, you know, um, to not, it doesn't matter if it wasn't intentional. 
personally, you know, I don't think that players necessarily go out there and they're like, I'm going to high stick this man. No, um, I think that's just something that happens. I think that it is just something that unfortunately, um, you know, accidents happen. But for for him to say, yeah, like I was going after this guy instead um, and I this guy and I got this one instead or, you know, whatever is really um, not great. And again, I think that the league is going off of the favoritism the same way that they do with Connor McDavid. Because Connor McDavid, no matter how you slice this loaf of bread, he is somehow always the victim and it's never his fault. Like in the preseason game when he went into the net and he was like, that was like the most horrific thing that Chris Tanev could have done. I'm shaking and I'm rattled for the rest of my life. No. Like, did you miss the part where you pushed someone? Where you tripped them? Or are we just talking about the consequences of your own actions here? So, you know, I think that that's just um, unfortunately part of the game where things, you know, calls get missed. But what's even more unfortunate is when it happens to Players like Nolan Patrick. <laughs> this is, I almost lost my mind. Like straight up, like I think gas and steam were coming out of my ears. I was fuming. Uh, last Wednesday, he, um, Nathan McKinnon had a high hit against Nolan Patrick. Nolan Patrick, mind you, has a serious migraine condition brought on by concussions that caused him to miss nearly a year like a season of hockey because of how severe the his migraines were and because of how severe like the lights and they couldn't they were working on creating like a special uh visor for him and glasses and things like that and to see a guy go down in such a high hit knowing that he has that kind of history makes my stomach turn there was no penalty called on a high hit, hit to the head, nothing, um, no supplemental discipline at all. I'm sure Nolan Patrick is is out of protocol at this point. Uh, I looked it up. I didn't see anything about it. So, you know, we'll have to, it's just another thing you have to keep an eye out, out for. And there's just never any <laughs> repercussions in terms of that. And you're just avoiding punishment. And I understand that the league wants to obviously market their top players and whatnot, but you also don't, number one, you don't market your top players correctly. They suck at that. But number two, there are consequences for your own actions. Like when Nathan McKinnon (laughs) high-sticked himself um, in a collision battle, it wasn't really a battle, But um, while tangoing with Taylor Hall, Taylor Hall gets in trouble and then McKinnon's out with a concussion, which is very unfortunate. It doesn't make it, um, you know, any less valid or anything like that uh, because he, you know, it was an accidental injury. But it's like there's no connection here with the league and the Avalanche went after Taylor Hall. They were all over him. You would have thought that he was Tom freaking Wilson out there. 
the way that the abs were eating him up, the way that Twitter was eating him up, you would have thought that Taylor Hall was a gosh darn goon, a headhunter, and just everything wrong with the league, with the way that people were reacting there. And and then they come to Boston on Monday to play this matinee game, and it's just Nathan McKinnon being an absolute clown. <laughs> they lose 5-1. to one. So it is what it is there. I won't... I won't harp on it too much, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on. And uh, I just really have nothing left to add to the conversation other than if you play stupid games, you will win stupid prizes. But coming up next, we are going to talk about some prizes, and that is the trade deadline. And just like Taylor Swift said... Rumors fly in new skies, but I'm right where you left me. And uh, we'll talk about that coming up next. Thank you all so much for tuning into today's episode of Locked on Flames. Make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. Marc-Andre Fleury and his um, cloudy future. He, he could be going to the Capitals because they're interested. Um no, I, I, that just doesn't sit right with me personally. I think that that would look so weird seeing him in a Capitals jersey. Uh, lifelong, I shouldn't say lifelong Penguin, but he was with the Penguins for 14 years. And uh, he <laughs> he's just not a Washington Capital. Uh, they, they don't believe that Samsonov or Vanacek can carry them through a long playoff run. But apparently the Oilers are in the mix as well as Minnesota. So Edmonton is in the mix as well as Minnesota and Colorado Avalanche. Now, Darcy Kemper is a great goaltender, right? The only upgrade that is truly out on the market over him is someone like Marc-Andre Fleury. And the Oilers are currently in third place in the Pacific, which of course means, um, they're going to do what they do every year and just kind of have fun with things. But um, by have fun, I mean just like the Pacific Division sucks so much that they're not going anywhere. <laughs> they're just they're just sitting there because they stink. But um, Minnesota has Cam Talbot. <laughs> and I think that's their only goaltender. I truly don't know who their backup is. And uh, Flurry has... A 16-18-4 record with a 2.0, or sorry, 2.80 goals against average. It was a 9-12 save percentage in four shutouts in 38 games. So, you know, it's going to be interesting seeing where he moves, if he moves at all, you know. Uh, I don't know. I These things are always so hard to predict and to read because – we don't always have the best read on things. We don't have uh, the, the true inside information that a lot of these, ins- obviously, these insiders have. But um, I-, I hope Marc-Andre Fleury gets to leave Chicago. <laughs> but I don't want to see him go to Washington. Actually, no. If he had to, I would ha- say go to Washington so we don't have to face him. <laughs> but uh, speaking of the East Coast... Claude Giroux. Oh, 
that he has been the captain of the Philadelphia Flyers since 2013, and he is in the final year of his eight-year contract for a team that is tied for last place in the Metropolitan Division. He does have a no-movement clause, which means he can't be traded unless he waives it and um, hands them a list of teams that are approved. And I would imagine that uh, the Flames would probably be on that list because it is a very, the Flames are a very competitive team. He probably wants to win the Stanley Cup and or at least make a run for it. And people are going to say, well, this is a great chance to send Johnny home. Great chance. T- chance to send Johnny back east. Stop talking. That fantasy is dead. Johnny is not going anywhere. But he has 38 points in 46 games, which is his best season since 2018-2019. So he is still capable (coughs) (coughs) He is still capable of producing, which is fantastic. So Any team that's looking to get him is going to be getting a producer as well as a locker room leader. Now, this is the part that I find so shady and so, like, just shady. There's no other word for it besides shady. And Drew uh, Drew has um, 11 games left before he reaches 1,000 games in the NHL. And he could get there with the Flyers. Um. But then, like, the trade deadline is, like, four days after. Like, isn't that so shady? Like, hey, here's your thousandth game celebration. Oh, by the way, you're leaving in four days. Surprise! Like, I I don't know. It just feels weird. That just feels so gross. But best of luck. Um, He has a beautiful family. I think that this trade deadline is certainly going to be interesting because I think that um, Toronto is just kind of hoarding and buying. They're like Mia Bath and Body Works, just <laughs> buying everything, even though if, even if there's no room to place it anywhere. <laughs> uh, there are additional goalies on the market as well, and that would be Braden Holtby, Corpusalo, uh, and Martin Jones. And that's an interesting group. I think that, uh, you know, those two of those names would be good additions to any team. I think that it's um, definitely going to be interesting to see who's out buying a goaltender at the trade deadline. I'm always interested in that. I'm just kind of obsessed with goaltending. So um, I think that if a team really does want to make a deep run, they're going to have to sign a strong, they're going to have to trade for a strong goaltender. Like that's goaltending and defense when you championships. Uh, the wild are, are in a weird spot. They're <laughs> uh, like any of these names would play ahead of Cam Talbot. And it just seems really unlikely that they would make that move. I think that Cam Talbot is like, they're like, is their guy so you know good for him always uh, so much love for cam talbot especially with how he played in the bubble and how he just kind of took over for riddick in that uh 2020 season the golden knights are also in the mix for goaltending even though that they've been ruled out for um mark andre Fleury, their 
They still have an injured goaltender when it comes to Robin Leonard. He has an upper body injury. And um, the coach, Peter DeBoer, says next week uh, – or sorry, he said last week he thinks goalie – he thinks the goalie will be back sooner rather than later. Again, um, not really sure where Vegas would get the money to trade for a goaltender. They would have to trade a human being, which I don't know if – I don't know if they do that. I just, I don't know. Um, uh, the flames found themselves back in this article. Um, when, of course, when we're talking about Giordano, um, it's so pending free agents aplenty when it comes to defensemen. Uh, PK Subban, John, Kling, John Klingberg, Mark Giordano, Ben uh, Sherratt, and Nick Letty are among the options and the people who are hunting for them are the Bruins, the Rangers, the Flames, the Oilers, and the St. Louis Bloops. So those are all teams that are going to more than likely make the playoffs. And those are teams that could really use an upgrade on defense. And I don't know. I, I think that <laughs> I think that the Flames should just like avoid Ben Schrott and Mark Giordano and like not in not the Gio has done anything wrong. I don't think that this is his fault at all, but I just think it would be very awkward. And with the way that your room is right now, I don't think you need to come in and have like your former captain return and be like, Hey guys, how y'all doing? Like, I just personally think that would be um, a, a shift in the room again. And it's probably not worth bringing him back for a playoff run. Ben Sherratt is not good. Uh, P.K. Subban, um, I, I think he's all right. But I, I, the only guy I really want here is John Klingberg. <laughs> Honestly, I think he's like the only one that I'm interested on this list. Um, they are just not players I'm interested in. Uh, I think that... I don't know. I'm just, I'm speechless at the idea, like the thought of the Flames, like bringing back their former captain and being like, hey, you have like three months left on your contract. Here's the C again. Good luck. And that the idea that they would do that after how the room was kind of lost to him and how much stronger the room is now, um, is just something to think about because there's no real, like, tr- I, there's no way for us to verify if there was, like, a rift in the room. But you, you take away the bad apple or the person in question and things start to, you know, things start to fall into place and start working out for you. Um, you know. Speaks for itself there, I think. But, um, you know, apparently the Rangers are going to go <laughs> go crazy at the deadline, which I think will be so interesting to watch uh, because they're an East Coast team that has been kind of rebuilding. And they have a first-round pick and two picks in the second and fourth round. So... And they have a ton of salary cap space. So could be that's definitely one to watch if you're interested in things like that. Definitely check out Locked On um, 
Rangers. The Oilers, to me, are... Um, <laughs> because I just... I don't think that they will ever be legitimate. Um, at least for a, a long time. I just don't see them as a legitimate hockey team. They're in the third place in the Pacific. But that's because the Pacific Division is a joke. Um, they could prepare to make a playoffs playoff run. Um, they could just kind of sit back and relax. You know, they have gotten a little bit better. I think that they, they've won a few games, but at the same time, you know, they fired their coach because of how bad they were doing. And unless this, uh, Jay Woodcroft can come in and pull a Daryl Sutter within these next six to eight weeks, I don't know how the Oilers could even think of making like a deep playoff run. They play the Lightning on Wednesday, the Panthers on Saturday, and the Hurricanes on Sunday. And that's three of the top five teams in the NHL. And that that was a questionable road trip for the Flames earlier in uh, January. So you don't want to write it off. You really don't because anything can happen there and, you know, you can turn it around at any point. And, you know, after those three losses, I – I feel like we haven't seen the Flames lose that much since. So uh, that road trip could be a turning point for the Oilers and uh, a real factor in how they're moving forward. But that is all I have for you today. And moving forward, I hope I don't ever have to record (laughs) the way that I just did again. Uh, So sorry for this late episode. And I'm so sorry for um, audio issues. So thank you for tuning in to Locked on Flames. I greatly appreciate you and I will see you all tomorrow for another episode. Bye-bye.